Have you ever wondered what it takes to build a successful business in the Australian property industry? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Business and Property Development, a monthly podcast in which industry leaders share their insights and experience with host Harry Karadimus. Hello and a very big welcome back to Business and Property Development. After a long hiatus due to the COVID lockdowns, I've finally been able to record the final episode of season one. It is with real excitement that I get to share with you the latest interview, which was recorded with James Hickey, the CEO of Lifesize Plans. Lifesize Plans is a young technology startup that operates at the collaborative intersection of property industry professionals like architects and builders and end consumers. Using their proprietary technology, They project content at one-to-one on their showroom floor to allow people to experience their own designs at life-size scale. As you can imagine, quite literally anybody that has plans for the development of real estate can use this technology to more effectively convey their message, to experience space at real scale, but more importantly, to trigger asking questions and facilitate making big changes early in the design piece when developments are still lines on a page. This is what makes life-size plans such an interesting topic of conversation. What I've mentioned above is just the tip of the iceberg of how they can help and where the company is in its current journey. I won't go into too much detail because James has done an absolutely brilliant job of conveying the value that life-size plans brings to the property development arena. So without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with James Hickey. James, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you with me today. Same, Harry. Been looking forward to it. It's been a while since we started talking. It has, it has. I've got here that we were scheduled to be doing this recording originally on the 23rd of July. So I think it was a day after COVID lockdown the started. The lockdown, yeah. So yeah, it has been a long time. So it's, it's fantastic to be finally doing it. Before we really kick off the conversation, I'd like to put some bones around where we're actually doing our recording today to give our podcast listener an understanding of where we are. We're in the middle of your 600 square meter flagship facility in Auburn, and we are sitting in the middle of one of my designs. In a living room. In a living room. And it's a one-to-one blow up of what my clients will eventually be living in in about four months time. It's a very lovely home. Yeah, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? It This is is by far the most exciting place I've ever recorded a podcast. So it's pretty exciting. It's a nice (laughs) blend of what we do and having a chat at the same time. That's it. Yeah. To begin, I'd like to start with the origin story of Lifestyles Plans. So for people that may have heard of life-size plans but don't know exactly what it does or haven't heard of it at all. Can we start by understanding what life-size plans is? Okay, so as a business, we project one-to-one floor plans and that could be rendered. It could be someone who's very, very early on in their design piece where they just got concepts or it could be all the way to post DA approval and they're bringing their teams in to make sure that the teams understand what they're going to be building. So the key on item of what we do, we take it from an A3 sheet of paper. We take it from that digital concept where a lot of people miss the detail and nuances of the plans and we blow it up one-to-one. So they actually get the same as what they would have when the building's built, but they get it today. It's the first time that they get to experience something that's not scaled. In terms of a brief history of 
the Life Size Plans concept. How did it come about? Yeah, origin story, the Genesis story started late 2016. So Chris, the founder, he's a builder developer himself, always had that lost in translation with clients. So in the game yourself, you know that you have many, many details up front, good conversations, everyone's on the same page and then it's built and they go, oh, I didn't realize it was going to look like that. And so after many of those conversations um, and also going through the, the actual process of building a house himself, so he and his wife were having those same conversations. He does like most people do. They get their string lines and they go to the block and they, they peg it out and that gives them this sort of first sense of scale of what the place is going to be like once it's built. But there were still those conversations behind the kitchen table at home and Chris's wife pretty much came up with the idea of, well, what if I can actually see this on a bigger scale? What if it was actually blown up for me and we projected it and boom, Life Size Plans was born. And so instead of building that same house, they actually put that equity into Life Size Plans and early 2017 in the same location that we're actually sitting in today, that's where it was born. What did some of the first iterations of the company look like? Like I'm looking at it now and it's a pretty advanced setup. We've got multiple projectors. We've got a pretty swish looking floor plate. Everything's, you know, modernized. How did it start out? It started out very much as a warehouse and it was all about the actual technical components. So the, the ability to see your plans in a one-to-one -one scale and it was very noisy, very dusty, very dirty. And also <laughs> you can see, you're not going to be able to get from a podcast, but mm. we've got walls that go floor to ceiling behind us at the moment and really encompass and keep you in your, in your home. And that wasn't for the case for the first three, four years. So you could actually hear all of the neighbors talking. You could actually hear and have the dust. So if there was an angle grinder going next door and it was an angle grinder fire, that dust would fly over. And so it wasn't a true immersive experience for the first couple of years, but people, people kept coming because they could see their house. It was the magic of what life-size plants has had from the very beginning that's where we're now trying to really get that emotion factor and bring it, bring it all together. On that point of people coming in, I think the proof of concept probably came about quite quickly and quite strongly. So in terms of when Chris understood that he was onto something quite strong and quite certain that it would work, what were some of the key things that proved up his sort of thinking that, yes, this is actually a business where I am actually happy to take equity out of my home and maybe not deliver that dream home that I want to live in, but put it into a business. That's really the beauty of the first three to four years of its life. It was trading as a proof of concept. So owner operator, Chris still had his building development company running on the side. He brought his own clients through and then word started to spread. And when the word started to spread, he started to realize that, hang on a minute, this is not really just a great thing for me. This has got a, a huge broader context for the world to actually enjoy and actually get the reward for what life-size plans can offer. We're constantly surprised with the emotion that happens in these walls where people come through, they know the context, they understand, yeah, I'm going to see my plans in a one-to-one -one scale, but the emotion between, and I've, what I've been trying to paraphrase myself over the last year, is bottling that emotional state from when they're coming to the doors to when clients walk out the doors. And it's a magical thing to behold. People are excited. They're really bouncing around the walls. They, they get to live in their house way before it's even built. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's, it might be their own home they've built. And for a lot of people, it's, it could be an investment and they know what works and what doesn't work. And they're bringing those things to the forte. So the key thing that we're constantly surprised, and I think we will be forever as we keep learning about what the product is, it's everyone else's journey, which makes it so special. 
And you're, you're actually enabling that journey to successfully unfold instead of it being a rather stressful, pretty uncertain, pretty uncertain experience because how many times have we heard, oh, I thought that bedroom was going to be bigger. I thought that living room was supposed to be larger than that. Especially in the day of kitchens now and, and an open plan entertaining, there's a lot of human traffic that comes through our buildings for people to understand how's that going to work, how are people are actually going to live in their homes and not just have all the tick boxes. So you get a lot of people coming in with their plans and saying, yes, I want the butlers, I want this, I want, you know, the alfrescos and they get all the items on their plans from a shopping list that achieves the goal. But then they actually go, well, how am I going to live in this? This is too busy. And then you see a lot of changes. And, you know, one of the catchphrases that we have had and hopefully we have forever is that there's not one person that's come through that hasn't changed something. And that's that's the beauty of what we have to offer. Pretty remarkable, isn't it? That how many opportunities have been missed? How long have we been drawing plans for since... <laughs> Even from the caveman on the on, on you know on the cave walls, that's we've right. been drawing for a long time. Yeah, so that's a lot of missed opportunity that's come and gone. And like you pointed out before, the word enabling. So we really enable and empower people to to collaborate and get their vision out on the table. And it's that that lost in translation factor, which I do believe is the most powerful thing. You can have experienced architects, and they're communicating their vision. It's like their artwork. They're able to express their artwork to people who don't speak the same language. That's right. You've got the homeowner who has got concepts, but they don't know how to articulate it to the designers and then to the builders. And it enables everyone to be around here. And you see it all the time. So we've had a lot of teams come through and, you know, they bring their trades in. They've got the design team. They've got the interiors. They've got the exteriors, engineers, builders, homeowners, all here. And instead of having those crucial conversations after it's built, and a lot of tensions because they've already spent the money. They're making mistakes here. They're making, you know, that iteration on the fly and it doesn't cost them anything and they get the build that they want to build. And in fact, I think you raised a pretty good point. If you've got people around a life-size plan here rather than in the office where you just simply cannot experience it in the same way, different questions start to get asked about, you know, whether something is the right thing to do or not. And this is the opportunity to, to or this is the space to do it in. 100%. It's, you know, the way I equate it to coming from a construction background, it's like the site shed and you had the old A3s at that centre table in the, in the plan room and you've got everyone talking around it and you're having heated debates. Same scenario, we can do the markups here, we can have those conversations, but it's built. It's just the next level, yeah. uh, next level sort of site shed. And in fact, I think there was another point you raised as well. The lost in translation and working at scale, I think for us in construction, we take understanding what scaling means. I mean, even even for us, up until you see a piece of furniture in a space, I think it's very difficult to be rel- to understand relatively how big space is. So e- even for professionals, it's hard. So you can imagine for somebody who only intends to build one home and live in it forever, they've got very little idea about how big that space is and how that's like, is that fulfilling their needs? I think this is this is a perfect place to be doing it. You know, I guess the beauty for myself is I really see the Life Size Lands product moving forward. Anyone that lives under a roof, we can help. You can help. That's right. Yeah, not even that. I mean, it's, it's work, play, everything. So getting back to the early days of, of Life Size Plans, there's a very strong concept. There's people coming through the door. There's a business that's beginning to sort of brew. Now, a, a key milestone in the Life Size Plans existence is shark tank experience that yeah. part of life-size plans life-size plans and shark tank actually didn't know the true answer to why chris went on shark tank until recently and it's something i didn't even think to ask and tell you the truth so when i did ask the question it was around well we've got a small pool of people proving the concept and yeah everyone loves it but i know i've got something let's try and take it out there and let's really see if we've got something 
And that was, you know, a bit of exposure and that intent of let's take it to the world stage and see what the world has to say. That was the main intent behind going to Shark Tank. Not necessarily the funding, and the funding would have been great if it came across and we'd be in a different location right now if that was the case. But it was more around how do we make sure I'm getting affirmation from the, you know, the great feedback from the clients that are coming through. How do we take it to that next level? How do we make sure that it is something that's broader than what we're doing now? And that's, that's the purpose and, and the reason for the Shark Tank video. So, yeah, not necessarily about capital raising or anything like that, but exposure and, and probably some learnings behind it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. In terms of what it assisted life-size plans in achieving, what was some of the feedback that came out of it which enabled it to progress on a certain trajectory? Was there sort of aspects of it which they thought, okay, we need to cut that and go along a different path? The main thing that came from the Shark Tank episode was exposure and all of a sudden being on a world stage and the amount of expression of interest that came to Chris from that. And even, even today, when I'm talking to people for the first time, it's like, oh yeah, I saw you on Shark Tank. I've loved you ever since. And it's like, oh wow, it's actually it achieved its mission of putting us on the world stage. You know, some of the franchisees that we're interviewing today um, as we're scaling around the world first saw us on Shark Tank. I'm just wondering, in terms of exposure, I mean, that comes with its risks as well, right? Because if you've got a fledgling company, how do you make sure that you've got your bases covered in terms of somebody maybe with deeper pockets or something like that coming in and just having a grab at what you've got, at your idea? So there's where a few other items came from the, the episode. So one, there was a lot of feedback around, I guess, the cost entry, and that was a huge part of it. And that's something that we've been working on hard over the last 12 months and achieved some great things with half the cost entry to market to, to get projectors and, and roll them around the world. So there's been a lot of work around supply chain. The other key feedback was really just around the process and, and understanding the journey for the customers and how, how we had value. So without a doubt, the key, the key milestone and key learning has always been around that supply chain because all the sharks loved it everyone you know the feedback on that on that episode was just purely around that cost entry see that's the i guess that's the deceptive thing about this kind of business you you don't actually realize it's incredibly detailed yeah, it's, it's complex and there's a lot that goes yeah. behind making sure that you can get the plan at the right size on yeah. the floor life-size plans yes we provide some technology but we are a collaboration center and our customer is at the heart and soul of what we do that's what you can't replicate is the people that are involved in the team and the, the nuances of how you choose to run run that business. I mean, the technical side, there are projectors and there are projectors, but it's the people, it's and, the people. and those processes that you develop over time. It's less about just dropping a floor plan, but it's an immersive experience. Yeah. And, and how do we let people make this their canvas and that's the key it's not about our interpretation of their plan it's not about our feedback we, you know the team we get to see some awesome houses we get to see some fantastic designs we get to see some horror stories that get turned around it's not our journey it's it's the customer's journey yeah. and that that's the key to the success of the brand someone's got to discover it and save for themselves the team when when a client comes through the doors and we have their plans we will lay the furniture out and look at the props and, and bits and pieces and the team look for high traffic areas or issues that potentially someone's going to find, like really small en-suites, as an example. People build grand houses and then tiny little en-suites that they can't swing their arms around in. So there's a lot of common issues that we see and we do some pretty much product placement in a way of letting the, the customers see that for themselves. But a lot of the time, again, it's, it's not really about our vision. So it's about how do we just really let people talk and let them walk through and they've been sweating over their plans for quite some time in minute detail. And it's just letting them walk through, you know, the welcome mat on the front door, opening the door for them and let them walk through that front. And then they start to see what they had envisioned forever. And 
It's the gaps that they see straight away. And you can, I mean, that's quite prevalent, isn't it? As soon as they walk in, there's, oh. Yeah, that's this, not going to work. Yeah, that's oh, that's not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Which means you're doing your job. Exactly. So, and that brings us to the next part. When is the ideal, ideal time to begin using this kind of technology and experience? Initially, with our the, the first clientele was mainly custom builders as we started to grow. And it was pre-DA. So they had some concept. They really just wanted to validate it was correct before they went to that next stage of formally submitting plans and, and going down that journey. And that started to evolve as we broaden our custom mix and we start to look at, well, what are the type, what are our type of clients? And we've, we've been really doing a lot of work over the last 12 months to understand our client base. And so in looking at, we've got business partners and, and most of our work into the future will be partnering with businesses, architects, volume builders, custom builders, to really be able to communicate to their clients the value and making sure that they've got their plans right. So we've been we've broken our business partners into two categories, and that's volume and custom, because um, they've got different different needs and different wants. And then we've got our consumers, so that, and the end customer. And what we've found over the last 12 months, especially in construction, like you pointed out, we've been doing things a certain way for a very long time. And we're not the fastest at adopting sometimes when it comes to construction. Um, we like to see that it works before we, we really put our boots in. And the customers, the end consumer has really been driving the change and, and driving builders, architects to see this is really, really valuable for me. Can, can we do this? And that's been, been actually a huge learning, like from a change management point of view, rolling out life-size plans to the world. It's the, the consumers will start the journey, but the builders and our business partners and the architects and the engineers and interior designers who do it for a living, it's a tool for them to be even more connected with their clients. In terms of, so stage-wise, a part of it was pre-DA. I mean, obviously, once you get your DA approval, your, your design's locked in. So that's the ideal time. to. That's the ideal time. And the beauty about what we do, we project content one-to-one. So we're content specialists. What I've been telling people, even if you've got a sketch, if it's a sketch one-to-one, we can project it here. It doesn't have to be a fully detailed, high-end rendered. It can be your concept plan. It doesn't have to be what you're going to be actually taking to council and the final ones. So depending on, I guess, your skill and your experience would be a different stage. So if you've never built before, it'd be earlier on in the piece. It'd be a way for you to be able to communicate to designers and to builders of what your dream is. But if you've built thousands of homes, you know how to do a plan, you know what works for you. It's more of a sales tool in a way where they're bringing it late on the piece and say, well, here's our options and what works for you and what do we need to change? Like you mentioned earlier on, that's when people get excited as well. So it's almost like almost like a clincher, isn't it? It's one thing to be able to see an image like a 3D and a render. It's one thing to see a floor plan, but it's quite another to actually experience and the space. The, the ideal time will be different to every person. And what we're learning is as we sort of expand into different markets, the clients are telling us when it's valuable. So we've got a client coming through to do a big tender pitch. And for him, it's, it's a sales tool because he can communicate very, very well using you know, elevation wall to say, well, here's the brief, here's what I had to achieve, and then show his clients what he's achieved into one-to-one scale. And you know, from a sales pitch point of view, that's, that's pretty powerful. It's something very different as well. No, it is. Not a lot of people would be doing it. No, not at all. So in terms of the process, if somebody was coming into, coming into this facility, what do they need? You know, what do you need from them to get started? Basic plans, who's their team, 
and who should be here. And that's been the challenging thing with COVID and for us to iterate different ways of actually bringing people in. So we've been dialing teams in, at least part of the teams here to communicate. And then we're remote dialing people in and that the other team members who can't be here due to restrictions or lockouts are at least able to come and actually understand and get that first-hand feedback. So, you know, an architect could be up in Byron Bay as an example, and he's be able to get that first client-hand feedback still because his clients are walking through those plans and making changes on the fly and getting that done. You mentioned there's end users and then there's also industry professionals. Would you say that they're probably your two main stakeholders? And franchisees. So future franchisees. So for how do we scale life-size plans around the world? And with the interest that we're seeing, um, so we globally launched our franchise offering in July this year, and we've received over 300 applications. Again, the brand itself has something and everyone sees it. Our job is to make sure, like you pointed out before, it's that it's not just about projecting content. It's around how do we make sure that we've, we, we're learning all those things that make it successful. What is the brand going to bring? We have customers sent of our, our ecosystem. I'm just thinking that's going to be a challenge because you want to make sure that that ethos of customer service and, and the way that you deliver that service to the customers, which was born here, is able to be replicated accurately so that the experience is the same in, in different parts of the globe. Because like you said, Looking at floor plans, it's a universal language. It doesn't change, but the only thing that's going to change is is the experience. Um, and the demographics, yeah. the type of buildings, the density, population, custom build versus apartment living. So there's a lot of different nuances that we have to accommodate for, and that will change the design of each location. And and that's where our skill comes in again as that content specialist of being able to make sure that each location's got what it needs to make a customer at centre of its location. Yet another complexity, right? Mm. Yeah, it's not just about finding a warehouse that works. It's finding a space that works for the, for the demographic. For the demographic. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So in terms of use cases, we spoke a lot about custom and volume building. And I assume that was in the context of residential, as in like houses. To start, 100%. But what other use cases are there for life-size plans? Off-the-plan sales. Got a, a couple of clients now looking at how can they sell their apartments. So that pre-sale scenario, very expensive to set up that showroom and, and look at how am I going to communicate value and how are we going to get that USP of this beautiful building that we've designed? How are we going to get customers fall in love with it and, and get their sales? The beauty with what we provide is you've got some gorgeous high-end renders. You've got some brilliant BMI software. You've got all these great things in construction, which you know have moved forward to counteract my comment before around you know construction were a bit slow. There's, there's a lot of great innovation in our industry with a lot of good tools. What we provide is all of those can come here. It's the beautiful hybrid of all. That's, that's what we provide. It's, so you can have your high-end renders on the wall. You can be looking at the floor plans. You can be using our sound system. We can using all those other bits and pieces to be looking at over your Bondi penthouse suite that you're selling with the waves in the background and get that you know $5 million sale because you're able to communicate well what they're buying and they get it today. And that's the beauty about what we do. We bring it forward for that instant gratification. So has your exposure to real estate agents been something that starting, you're starting? Starting. Yeah. And that's where the, the hard thing for us is we do believe it's for all, but what is it for those individual silos? And it's going to be different. Everyone's got different triggers. Everyone's got different things that is going to enable them to be seen, heard and part of the ecosystem. Just going back to a very industry specific use case. And I'm thinking now with the Design and Building Practitioners Act, I mean, something where construction quality is becoming just ever more paramount. How can life-size plans be, uh, or is it positioned to sort of help 
getting regulated designs sorted or making sure that people are across what needs to be done. I mean, this is such an industry-specific and, and very important part of the process. It is. I've been, I've been personally watching that since last year when the, the act changed and, and what the Commission is doing and really an advocate for everything that office is, is achieving. We can definitely play a part and, you know, we will be approaching the government very soon to, to try and see what we can do to help, especially now that they've done their findings and they've done their, their research and they've looked at the barriers that they have to, to face and the drivers that will make it successful. So we've looked at that as life-size plans and you're 100% correct. Our interpretation on that is at the same time that we can help across the ratings. So from the rating side of things, if you've got, and people will be ranked now, as we both know, if we can get a higher rating for the people who've come through this because consumers know that and regulators know that they've they've really thought about their design in a one-to-one -one scale. They've looked at all the issues that would have been only realised after the build. They've brought all the specialists into an area to actually hold each other accountable. And I'm a huge believer of self-accountability across, you know, if you're looking at someone and talking to someone and you're going to be building it together, you're going to make sure you keep each other's promises. That's right. And then you're making sure those plans are submitted and then you take that journey together. So from a regulation point of view, 100%, from a saving of variations, like I discussed before, Oh, There'll be a lot of variation saved. And that's not just around cost saving, it's around efficiency savings, around defect saving. You know, look at the huge amount of issues that, that are coming from waterproofing. Yes, you know, membranes are a huge part of that, but the structural layout of the building is a massive part of, of the waterproofing defects at the same time. So for designers to see that and trades to see it as well and be able to have, you know, that eternal battle between designers and builders um, brought forward in, into this arena means that we're having those conversations up front. We're holding each other accountable for, for the build that's going to be the end consumer that we have to warrant. And that's the beauty about what we have. And especially in this digital age, going back to the digital part of the practitioner's aspect, we're a medium where the old school and the new school can meet. The old school guys, they're builders. They've been out there forever. They know what works, what doesn't work. But they struggle sometimes to articulate what that is when it's on a little screen. And they're not really worried about, you know, it looks fancy with the virtual renders and everything. It's great, but this is what it means for me. And it's a way for them to talk in a common language because both designers and builders know to speak about a plan and they can do it here. So it really, from a digital adoption point of view, enables both worlds to meet and talk uh, over a digital platform. And one of the key things that we've been really trying to work hard on is that it's any digital platform. One of the, the items from a design point of view that we, we looked at early on in the piece was if we align with just say AutoCAD or if we align with another software, like if we're going down that one path, well then what about the rest of the construction industry? What about the rest of the designers? So a huge part of our design remit, which is going around the world is it's very, very agnostic. Any, anyone that comes through can use our software. And like I said, it can be a sketch on a piece of paper or very, very soon any architect can come in there with their, with their software and make changes live on the floor and then be able to walk out straight out the door. So there's no risk of IP transfer. They're not worried about losing, you know, that key aspect that's theirs. And their content is projected live on the floor. They take it away in their system, not in ours. And that design's changed. Again, it's your, the, it's the enabling, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And it's, yeah. that's been core of what we've been looking at. So again, our values, customer, without a doubt, industry. So industry partnerships, how are we going to do it? innovation but that's not necessarily just us innovating it's how do we enable everyone to innovate and then team all of our decisions are ticking all those four boxes early on in the piece i guess go back back a few steps back to when chris was was launching the product passionate about it believed in it architects were the first people that we approached um it sort of made sense we're planning we're designing and we're helping people do that everyone was like yeah this is really cool 
how is it going to relate to me? Also then, well, what is life-size plans? Are you designers? Like, what are you? And that what are you question was really floating around for the first couple of years. And I guess why it didn't, even though massive interest, explosive amount of interest of people, you know, wanting to buy it out and, you know, all those things. So it's, well, what truly is it? And Chris knew deep down that it was more than just aligning with one builder and selling the product or aligning with one engineering firm or surveying firm and selling the product. It, it had more, but it was, well, what is it? That learning, it's a hard thing to do when you're trying to run a business, develop a business, and also trying to find where do you sit in the world? This is the end of the first part of the episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the Life Size Plans journey so far. Coming up will be the second part where we get into some of the fundamentals of the Life Size Plans business and how establishing various critical elements has allowed a fledgling idea to become a rapidly scaling business that's gone global. We also get a glimpse into James's journey into executive leadership and why Life Size Plans is a perfect fit for his skill set and passion. See you soon.